0: We created all this food and then we sent samples Um, we had the samples ready at the table and it just went crazy really I mean people just responded it in the it, it was so overwhelming our booth at ASI was literally I mean it was wrapped around the the corner I mean the line was insane and it was the most popular booth and so every time someone would come up to the table they're like this is where the smell was coming from (laughs) I was wondering where it was and I finally found you and, you know, people were fighting, They're like, you know, like some, some people would skip the line and whatever. I remember, I remember one time this little boy, I don't know, he was like seven or something. I, some way he found himself to the front. Oh, they chewed him out. They're
1: like,
2: no, the
0: line starts here. And I'm like, okay. So people were going crazy with this new breed. So we we're like, okay, I think we're onto something.
2: Welcome to The Adventure Podcast, a platform designed to inspire young, mission-minded entrepreneurs to start businesses and ministries of their own. Throughout these episodes, we will be hearing the stories of Adventist professionals and leaders who have thrived in their spheres by putting God first. In this episode, our host Dylan Flannery-Valadez will be talking with Samantha Edwards. Samantha is the creator of New Breed Meats, a vegan meat substitute. She became interested in this product when she saw several secular companies encroaching on this market. Join us today as she shares her journey. Samantha,
1: I'm really excited to have you here on this episode because it's just so interesting for an Adventist to try to be breaking into this market where I see so many like the big boys out there, you know, like Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger. So it's really interesting to see you do that, and uh, I think it's gonna be inspiration as we hear more of your story mm-hmm. uh, to others who want to do something like this. So, I don't know, So, Samantha, can you just like kind of walk us through how you become Adventist? How did Samantha Edwards become Adventist?
0: Yeah, well, funny enough, so my story, one, I didn't grow up Adventist by any means. I actually grew up Catholic, so it was a far cry from Adventism. But the Lord allowed me to come in contact with certain individuals in the Protestant realm. Um, and I started as a youth, I was, uh, I guess, about 13 years old, I started um, attending this Pentecostal church, which was a very interesting experience. It was <laughs> leaps and bounds away from uh, Roman Catholicism. Yeah. And it was funny because when I first started going to the church, you know, at first I thought that one i was just shocked i didn't know what was going on people were jumping around and and speaking in tongues and it was all these animated things going on all at the same time and and at first you know sadly enough i thought it was comical initially and but i kept going there was a large youth group there and um just really got engaged with some of the young people there and just kept going but Interestingly enough, it was actually in that church that I actually began reading and studying the Bible Mm. and just became engulfed in in religion and anything to do with with God and Jesus. And I was just so excited about the fact that I had a savior that died for me and it just touched my heart to the core. And at this point, I guess I would say I was in middle school, um, heading into high school, and I just kind of carried that with me. I was the only Christian in my household. Um, And then I found out about the Sabbath. I found out that, um, yeah, I was um, actually a family member whom I didn't even realize at the time. um, She had a business. Um, that uh, she was closed on sabbaths and so she had a, a like a really nice um, beauty salon hmm. and um, we I noticed that she was closed on on Saturdays of course I didn't know anything about the Sabbath so um, I would go on occasion and in any way um, just in conversation and in talking was a kind of a distant family member um, it w- became evident to me that they actually keep the Sabbath and from there started doing um Bible studies on the Sabbath because I was already sold on anything from the Bible. Okay. So whatever the Bible said, I was ready to do it. And now was this
1: person Seventh day Adventist? this person
0: happened to be a Seventh day Adventist. Okay. Um, again, did, had no idea, I'd never even heard of them. I was at this point in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. And um we started studying the Bible and I saw it so clear in the scriptures um the fact that we were called to to keep the Sabbath holy and and that the seventh day is the sabbath and so i was just so excited about this newfound truth you know i went back to you know at this point i guess i was about three years into that pentecostal church Uh and i went back to all my youth leaders and so on and i said hey guys you know we're missing something here um you know the seventh day is the sabbath and they're like wait a minute
1: (laughs) and they loved it right
0: who told you that? <laughs> Where did you get this information yeah. from? I'm like, what do you mean? It's all throughout the Bible, starting from Genesis and all the way through and Hebrews four. you know, I just, just did a whole really quick run. They're like, I don't know. Don't listen to those people. They're a cult. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what is a cult? Like what I, you know, I'm just looking at the Bible. Are you able to give me some kind of scriptural evidence that what you're saying is, is, is contrary to what the, what the Bible is saying, and obviously they were never able to produce any kind of text. And fast forward, um, I saw that a decision needed to be made on my end, whether or not I was going to continue on with the first day church and the errors in in that, or if I was going to follow um, what the Bible said. And... Uh, By God's grace, I decided to follow what the Bible said. And I ended up getting baptized in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, It was actually Mm -hmm. at this time when they used to do uh, tent meetings in Mm -hmm. the cities. Um, So it was a large tent meeting in in Brooklyn somewhere. um, And I got baptized by one of the popular evangelists that came through. um, And been on this journey ever since. I decided, you know, at this time I was college age. Um, and I said, you know, I was ex- really excited about going to a Seventh-day Adventist school. And I was like, oh, what? I need to find a Seventh-day Adventist college. And so I was, you know, doing all this research to find out about which school was Seventh-day Adventist. And, of course, at this point, my parents were wondering <laughs> what was going on. But um, I had become a vegetarian. And I was like, oh, the school's are vegetarian. This is just perfect. So I was just fully immersed in the whole culture. And just really excited. And I'm going to AUC, saying, um, okay. Atlanta Unit College, which, of course, Doesn't no exist longer right now, exists right? at this yeah. point in time. This was way back. I'm, I'm aging myself here. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the Lord has really blessed them since that point.
1: Awesome. And then you you get married, right, to yes. Narlin, who's yes. actually working here and doing a lot yes. for the school and other places, too. Yes. So how did that all happen?
0: Yeah. So we actually <laughs> met um, at that um one well, not that particular one that I got baptized in. In Brooklyn, um, again, there was another tent meeting, and it was always in the summer time where you know there'll be these seasons of having tent meetings all over, and um, and he was actually a Bible worker at one of those tent meetings, and I was just attending because it mm-hmm. wasn't too far from my house. I would just kind of walk there in the evenings, and that's how we met and um, I guess the rest is history. Yeah, Yeah, we ended up getting married, so that was a blessing. We moved um, out of New York City. Uh, We ended up moving down to the southeast, um, to Atlanta, and we just started a new life in in Atlanta.
1: And now you have a couple kids, right?
0: Yeah, well, we have Hannah. You have one, okay. (laughs) Yeah, so she's five.
1: Five, okay, great. Yeah. And so then how does your interest develop in health foods, yeah. Along the way.
0: Well, um, I Would th- you say it's
1: because of being an Adventist? Or?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, again, just having never grown up Seventh-day Adventist, um, I can't say... And obviously, I grew up eating meat. Um, so that's all we knew just in the beginning. And um, what I guess I would say, um, when I found out about... Um, the diet, I was just, it was just something so new and and novel, and I was just really excited to to, to try it, and I did, Mm -hmm. and I never turned back, so again, I was in my teenage years, um, and about, I think it was 12 years ago and you know sometimes I get mixed up with my dates but um I actually end up writing a cookbook called the better way cookbook so yeah. I, act, I have um the cookbook so yeah, actually, I, I, saw,
1: I actually bought it oh did you really that's
0: actually really <laughs> yeah. funny um so yeah the better way cookbook came as a result of my um desire and love of um the plant-based lifestyle and really trying to um, help people to make that transition. So um, that's always been an interest of mine. Um, I actually, with, I ended up finishing uh, my degree actually is in business management and finance okay. from school. So I actually do have a business <laughs> degree. And um, I just got really um, involved in this the health culture and, and plant-based living and, and the lifestyle and teaching it and practicing it. And I just saw how... Um, lives are really changing you know my husband and I we started a ministry called tree of life ministries and this was in 2010 and we started this ministry um, as a medical missionary work um, and just traveling and showing people how they could um, how to live really God's plan mm-hmm. and um, in through, through all of that um, Again, I, I was the one that was kind of taking on the nutrition classes, cooking classes, and, and just going and, and just showing them. And I just saw the impact that it had on people and how they, literally their lives would change. You know, they would begin to adopt the principles that we were sharing. And, you know, they'll come back months later, years later, and, you know, they would tell me how much weight they lost and how, you know, they no longer have, you know, high blood pressure and so on. I mean, my, my mother had stage four breast cancer um and that was a big blow to the family um and her you know i was telling her about her diet and and the fact that you know what she's doing is kind of feeding these cancers and so on but you know i didn't think she was paying me any mind at this point i was already moved out the house and you know on my own and she was still in new york and i was telling her about it and she actually began to make changes and i visited her one time i remember um, going back to New York and, and visiting her and I noticed that you know I opened the cabinet and or the fridge or whatever and I saw all these foods like earth balance and <laughs> all, I was like wait what is this I just I, she completely changed everything about her whole life and wow, she became plant-based Good. and subsequently um, uh, she is now cancer-free I mean wow. this is yeah. I don't I think this was had to have been um, 14, 15 years ago. And she had stage four. So I'm just I know the impact that this diet has on individuals once they really commit to it and put their minds to it.
1: Great. So that I can see how that you have a lot of personal experience with the health health message and seeing it firsthand have some great effects. So then how does how do you start? We were talking before the show about how about three years ago you started noticing this. This trend with with, uh, vegan meat substitutes. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about that development?
0: Sure. So, again, (laughs) just having been in this space for so long in terms of, you know, me being just plant-based myself for well over 20 years. I mean, obviously, in the days that we started, it was, you know eating soy and and Eighth (laughs) Continent and, you know, all these, you know, niche, you know, things in the corner of the store. In fact, you had to go to your local co-op or health food store. It was nothing like what we're seeing today. So So
1: when you started, this was, these were the common meats.
0: Those, well, those were like the milks. So it wasn't even like meats. It was,
1: Uh,
2: yeah, maybe tofurky. Yes, (laughs) it
0: was tofurky. That's what it was. (laughs) So it was those types of things um, back in those days. You know, uh yeah, like you mentioned uh, about three years ago, we just you know, I just started seeing the shift in the minds of the people, you know, and I just saw that it was becoming this whole industry was becoming a lot more mainstream and I was like, Wow, you know, then you had all these players coming up your beyond and you're impossible. I was like, What is this? Yeah. So, you know, I was just blown away. Yeah, it's how it's it amazing. just kinda took right. Yeah. It just literally took over and, and I was like This is so sad that here we are as Seventh-day Adventists. We had this health message um, since June 6, 1863 is when the first um, comprehensive uh, vision of health reform was given to to Sister White. And um, here we are, where we should have been the head, now we're at the tail. And, you know, I said, you know, something needs to be done and I'm gonna be the one to try to produce products that can actually compete in the market. So granted, we do have products at Seventh-day Adventists um, that are meat substitutes, but I felt that it never had the mainstream appeal
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, as these newcomers coming on the scene had. And I wanted to, um, to see how we can kind of change that narrative. Before we continue, let's hear a little bit more about new breed meats.
1: New Breed Meats is helping to reform meat by pushing plants forward. Our line of premium plant-based meats have a better taste, better texture, and is better for you. We are also strongly mission-based with a portion of our proceeds going toward healthy living initiatives. Please learn more by visiting us at newbreedmeats.com. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about like the process of discovery? Because, I mean... If I was going to make a vegan meat substitute, I have no idea what I do. I throw like some oats or some wheat. I don't sure. know what I do in yeah. a blender. And then right, how, right. how does it go? How do you figure out a meat? Yeah. You how do you figure out your new meat?
0: Yeah, that's actually really funny. I remember uh, actually just a couple of months back, I was meeting with um, someone in the industry and, and he's not Adventist or anything. And, you know, I was giving him a sample of the product and I said, here he goes. First thing he did was he turned around, he, he started reading the back of the label. He said, wait a minute. He was like, "Did you create this?" And I was like, "Yeah, I, I made this." He was like, "Wait, I don't even understand how you made this." He said, "These aren't your pantry staples. How did you, how did you just make this?" Yeah. And honestly, um it was the Lord. The Lord, huh. I believe, definitely wow. gives wisdom mm-hmm. and knowledge. You know, when um Sister White talks about the work of Kellogg, um she talks about how he that the Lord would give skill and wisdom to create um, foods from out of the earth, um, for for substitutes for, of meat, and and that and I know for a fact that that's what the Lord did for me. So I I don't have a food science background, and and definitely the products that we're putting out is it it begs for a food science degree. Um, but through these last three years, you can say in R and D or research and development. Um, I have, you can say, become a food scientist. I had to study the nature of proteins. I had to study fats and carbohydrates, and, and just the core elements of what makes meat meat. And um, wow, in studying that and, and the chemical compositions of of all of these things with nitrate, uh, nitrogen, and and carbohydrates, all is very scientific. And I just became immersed in this whole study of of meat. And and how then can I replicate this in the plant kingdom, in the plant world? And through years of uh, trial and error, R&D, um, getting raw material from various suppliers from all over the world, um, I was able to create this line of, of products um, called New Breed Meats. We called it New Breed Meats because we felt like the plants are the new breed, even though we know it's the original. But anyway, <laughs> um, so plants are the new breed, and and it is meat. You know, it's funny because Genesis one says, um, "To you it shall be for meat." Right, you know? right. So there you go. <laughs> I feel like we have the original meat, and that everything else, the animals are actually the the second hand, or or that's not the original. But anyway, so yeah, I just basically became a food scientist. I Again, had to study all, into all of these things: reading technical papers, reading scientific reports, um, looking at what was coming in from the various universities in regards to uh, denaturing proteins and, and so on. So it it was just a lot of of um, reading work and chemical p- and just putting it all together.
1: So I'm so amazed, like how you're doing this. You got you know yeah. a daughter, obviously, and you're reading it's scientific right. papers, basically getting a second degree in chemistry or something. Correct. That that is exactly that's, what. That's happened. pretty amazing. I kind of imagine you like Thomas Edison or something sitting there like in, with a lab coat on and like goggles, right. like mixing things, <laughs> uh, trying that. a thousand times, and then finally you get it right. Like, what are some of the like breakthroughs along the way?
0: Yeah, you know, I remember in the early days, you know, we were, you know, I, well, first of all, I had to, you know, Linda Dom could tell you every day I was getting a number of things in the mail because I was ordering <laughs> things like crazy. Um, you know, I, I ended up with things like the. Uh, uh, um, uh, test tubes and 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 what are you those little fine uh, needle type things, the droppers yeah. and. And, and scales, I mean, scale was a huge thing because, you know, it wasn't just a regular scale that I had to use. I had to find one that could measure to the 0. .0001, you know, degree right. um, because everything was just so specific. Um, color, um, you know, all of that had, had to be, you know, fine-tuned and, and measured out. So I remember I had to get, like, this special diamond scale that measures, like, grams, Um just the smallest measurement um you know so i was all of that i was getting all of that and um all kinds of material so yeah you can basically say the, the only thing i didn't have was the goggles but i was you know <laughs> with, with the test tubes and everything else uh, i was pretty much your mad so scientist. when did you feel
1: like you had it like this tastes good it's yeah. gonna be other people are gonna like it Yeah, long ago was that? That
0: was twenty nineteen. So twenty nineteen. Really?
1: So it took several years to get. Yeah, it took.
0: Yeah, it took at least. I would say about a year and a half. Okay. Um. And you know, it's funny because it was always going through my mind because I would come up with the iteration of it. So everything has to be condensed down to a formula um, and how it works in the food industry is you have to, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to use one cup of flour and, and, and two cups of milk. No. So I am going to use um, 3.02% of um, uh, sunflower oil. And, and so it was, it's very specific. Um, and so I think that when, so 2019, Um, is when we felt like we had a product that at least was could be tested in the market and we did that we said okay we have this product so how are we going to launch it so there was an upcoming ASI um, that year, a national ASI, I think it was in Louisville, Kentucky actually. Um, and we said, well why don't you know we felt like it was a safe place, you know, Zavinous, you know, we can just launch it there. <laughs> kind of get, you know, real time feedback from from consumers. And that's what we did. We we ended up getting a booth um, had all of our branding done oh, the branding and creative is a whole other mm-hmm. story but uh, we did all of that and, and had materials for handing out uh, we had feedback cards so we can get real time feedback from people and you know we made I think about a thousand um Pounds, or actually, I can't remember exactly how. Thousand
1: much. pounds.
0: Um, it was a good amount <laughs> of pounds. Wow. It took us a long time to I make <laughs> to make that batch, and we were just preparing it for to go to ASI because we were going to be able, we were going to do samples, um, and that's what we did. So we created all this food, and then we sent samples. Um, we had the samples ready at the table, and it just went crazy. Really? I mean, people just responded. It. In the, it, it was so overwhelming. Our booth at ASI was literally, I mean, it was wrapped around the the corner. I mean, That's the line great. was insane, huh. and it was the most popular booth. And so every time someone would come up to the table, they're like, "This is where the smell was coming from. <laughs> I was wondering where it was, and I finally found you." And, you know, people were fighting. They're like, you know, like some people will skip the line and whatever. I mean, I remember one time this little boy, I don't know, he was like seven or something. Uh, someway he found himself to the front. Oh, they chewed him out. They're like, no, the line starts here. And I'm like, okay. So people were going crazy with this new breed. So we we're like, okay, I think we're on to something.
1: Good, good. Yeah. Awesome. So how did, uh, did you sell out or? Yeah. So yeah. we
0: actually were just doing sapling that day. So, yeah, it, it was, it was gone. It, in no time okay. we, people were begging us you know sell it to them and so on and we're like well it's just for sampling but um, I think we ended up selling some of it and some of the raw because mm-hmm. the product comes in a raw form and we're like well it's not cooked and you're in a hotel how are you gonna keep it oh don't worry about that I was like okay so anyway so it was people were just wanting to get their hands on Good. it Good.
1: so you start you notice that you have something at that yeah. point. and then and then what comes next
0: so then from there um, there's a lot of back-end things that needs to take place, obviously, even prior to that point, you know, liability insurance, you know, so having to kind of navigate through that, Um, navigating through um, other type of um, uh, things as it relates to just building out the supply chain. So, for example you know, we, you know, I can't just go down to Costco and say, I'm going to just get these ingredients. No, it's, it, I, we it's very specialty type ingredients. And so we have to go through, um, um, uh, audited, um, ingredient suppliers. And I mean, they send things by the palate. So, I mean, this is not just your average, you know, I'm going to run down to whatever. Um, so just kind of figuring out and establishing those types of relationships with the suppliers. Um, which are the raw material ingredient suppliers. Um, so that needed to be built out, um, that, you know, takes some time to establish. Um, and, and then from there, you know, you're thinking about, you know, manufacturing, how are you going to, how are you going to get this thing from, you know, just making, you know, a hundred pound batch to, you know, a 10,000 pound batch. Um, so then, um, it, definitely you have to then start i mean we initially were thinking about just taking on the manufacturing on our on our own mm-hmm. but you know having a child i'm homeschooling her and <laughs> you know we travel for ministry so we're i was like well this clearly mm-hmm. is not going to work. And so um, then it became evident that we needed to actually source a manufacturing partner um, to be able to produce these products at scale. And that's what we had to end up, end up doing um, was finding someone, not just any partner, because because the product that we're making is so um, unique and it requires its own type of um, machinery in order to really be able to produce it um we have to, had to be very selective about where we were going to go and and who i mean because you have to have machinery not only for the processing of the product you know the mixing and so on but also for the packaging aspect of it too because mm-hmm. everything is just so unique you know roll stock machines and and thermofilm are you going to do, do a tray seal and, and overlap with the with the labels and it's all everything is this high-tech machinery. And if we were to have built out that facility it would have definitely been at least three to six million dollars. Oh man. And <laughs> so we said you know we're a young brand, we're trying. So let's just find a partner that can actually kind of do those things for us and we can kind of focus on sales and marketing.
1: Okay, so you've kind of gone from like just kitchen. Like something that you could do kind of, yeah. in, in a bigger kitchen, like yeah, here yeah. at Weimar, right? Isn't that yeah? Where you so
0: were... I actually started in my actual kitchen, and okay. if anyone has ever been to my apartment <laughs> at Weimar, they would know that my kitchen is probably smaller than this room. No way! Um, okay. I'm dead serious. And we're in like uh, show, a six ten room yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super small. So it's funny um, that that's where it all started, starting in that little kitchen there. And then we graduated to the the Weimar (laughs) (laughs) commercial kitchen and, you know, on off hours, you know, I'll be working overnight um, just trying to get these products produced and, and packaged and 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 just ready for sales and sampling so and it's
1: gone from like there to like now much larger scale where you're going to be probably yes. producing i don't know on what 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 yeah. volumes are we talking about
0: yeah so it went from that um <laughs> and so our manu- current manufacturing partner that likely will um engage with um they have really no capacity issue um they're <laughs> ready to go whenever we are they can produce um a million pounds a week
1: whoa
0: so it I mean, you're talking about this is major.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, do you imagine that that could be your guys' future? Some would, would there be a buyer for that?
0: So, um, you mean like for the business itself, or well, like, oh, for how, the how does it go products? from ramping up sure, to like yeah. a million
1: pounds a week or something yeah, to like compete so, with like these impossible? Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, so the first step wouldn't necessarily be to produce on that large of a scale. So there, are kind of a lot of in between steps. Um, so, for example. Yes, we, we know that we can create products at really any capacity, so that's not really the issue, which normally is an issue, um, because you know, let's say Walmart calls you, okay, yeah, you know, how am I going to produce for? So it's no crazy. Idea. So um, it um, it takes um, developing uh, partnerships with distributors. So in the food world, um, you know, if I'm walking into Whole Foods and I see all this, all these brands of food, it didn't just show up there. So um, and each individual company didn't just mail their packages to to a Whole Foods. Um, they work through with uh, different distributors and the distributors pretty much act as that middleman between the manufacturer, which we are, and the end retailer um and so you you kind of work with the, these distributors which there are several key distributors in a natural food space and also mainstream space and they're the ones that kind of ship it out to the store so they have their own logistical line where you know they have their own warehousing so basically you know we'll send pallets to the distributor they hold product they buy the product and then they send it off to their customers which are the retailers
2: mm-hmm. so okay.
0: yeah that needs to be done and then, um, then we start seeing it on shelf. And then, when it's on shelf, that's a whole nother ball game because now you're thinking about, you know, promotions and free fills, and and um, how is it actually going to, um, you know, move from the shelf into the hands of the customer? So there's a lot of marketing that needs to be targeted to those specific areas to to ensure that the product actually moves. Um, okay.
1: Yeah. So from what I understood, uh, that so we're not. You're not exactly sure what store this would end up in at this point?
0: Well, we have some target stores. So the Uh way that we're actually gonna roll it out is not necessarily on a national scale because we will wanna take some, uh, quite a bit of resources in order to be able to do a national rollout. And because we're still a young brand, we do wanna build up some brand awareness. Um, We are um, concerning our efforts into just one region Mm -hmm. and just kinda dominating in that one region first. Mm Um, getting some good traction going. Um, and then kind of building out from that point. We okay. just felt like that was more, a better use of funds. So um, where do you
1: think we could see it?
0: Yeah. Well, it definitely will be here. at Weimar, so okay. that's hey. for sure. <laughs> but actually our first reason that we're actually going to roll it out is actually in the Southeast. Okay. Um, it's the up and so coming like
1: Texas, um, um more it? like
0: the Atlanta okay. market. Atlanta. Yeah. And, and that there's reasonings behind that. Um, they have a growing plant based scene there, mm. a lot of restaurants kind of popping up that's doing I mean exp- I mean just really, really well.
1: Huh. I wouldn't necessarily think of the South as exactly. like a market for that's BDV why
0: substitutes. this is great. Huh. Like the the world is changing. It's loose and So it's really exciting to see because obviously you know that these products dominate and on the west coast yeah. and we just felt like okay.
1: The market's saturated, like
0: super saturated. Okay. And we said, you know what? We need to be able to do something completely different from what everybody else is doing. We're going in the southeast; no one is there, (laughs) and we just felt like. And they also have a large African American presence as well, too. And we just feel like we are able to really authentically um, engage with that audience profile. Uh And we just felt like this would be just a really great start um, to kind of get the product going and just kind of branching off from there. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, um, kind of a different question. I've had a few. I've had a few Impossible Burgers and Beyond Burgers in my day, mm-hmm. and um, you know they're 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 good. Mm-hmm. How how does your like? What have people said about? Because I haven't actually been able to try yours yet. Right. What do people say about your burger and and like? our – it's burger right? Burger and yeah, we have
0: burgers, chicken grounds, and ground. right. Yeah, there are a lot so, of different things. Yeah, sure. How does, so how, how do
1: people say it tastes? Or
0: yeah, and that's the main thing. We definitely drive <laughs> with taste. So I was very. Um, intentional about ensuring that the taste profile is is on point and definitely is in line with what is currently out there. And from all the feedback that we were getting, you know, we were actually featured in a lot of major publications. Um, everyone is saying the same thing that the taste is it's so good, and then the hmm. texture is just the right bite. You know, it has a taste, it has a texture. Um And the great thing about what makes us unique, is the fact that, one, we're a complete protein. So we're combining hmm. a combination. So the product is actually soy-free, gluten-free, and non-GMO. Hmm. Um, wow. So in terms of how we differentiate from a Beyond standpoint, um, we are a complete protein. So it's a pea protein in combination with a brown rice protein. So when you combine the legume with the actual um Uh, rice, it creates a complete protein. So we have that. So a lot of people are saying that they don't have any digestive issues Hmm. when they're eating our products. So a lot of people have like serious allergies and gut issues and so on. And I believe it's because of the high concentration of protein and it's not really balanced out. But because we actually scientifically balance out the, the proteins, people are not getting any kind of issues with their gut so that's one and two they're not getting any off flavors either so sometimes you know there might be a chemical aftertaste with a lot of these other products and you know it seems a little bit off but no one uh, is getting any of that you know it's just like a clean taste Hmm. and then the the great thing about it too um is that it's actually up to 75 percent less saturated fat than everyone else on the market. Huh. So it's a healthier um, alternative and yet still you're not sacrificing on the taste and the experience that you're looking for. And
1: that's a pretty good deal. So you've managed to beat at least in at least in your mind, you managed to beat these companies on the taste standpoint, which is very important, and also the health standpoint, which sure. is probably huge.
0: Exactly. And yeah. that's the main thing because the first thing that people want to know is yes, you know, we know we need to come off of meat. Um, and you know they they try, but they want something that's actually is healthier and um you know between all of the and then we we're about 40 percent less ingredients as well so Hmm. we have a much leaner um label and then um again it's healthier than what's currently out there
1: Hmm. amazing so um i have another question but i was just going to turn to my my student that's in here with us and see if she had anything that she wanted to ask
0: yeah so i'd like to ask you who has really helped you most along the journey It's been a blessing because I was actually able to build up a a team of mentors and advisors. And it's really been a blessing because, you know, it can seem somewhat lonesome. No one understands what I'm saying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the average person. Yeah. <laughs> when I start kind of going over some of the, the yeah, you know, textural 50% issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, okay, what am I going to do here? How am I... But, you know, the Lord has blessed in that I was able to um, be connected with a lot of um, individuals that have found a lot of success in the food industry. Um, you know, and I'm talking about people that, are not normally reachable. So the Lord has really opened the doors. You know, one in particular, um, one of our mentors, or advisors rather, um, runs a $2 billion, with a B, uh, organization. Like, this doesn't make sense. I'm in touch with the founder and the CEO. Like, this is not normal. Mm -hmm. It's a major brand. I can't say the brand, but it's a major (laughs) brand. And they talk to me whenever I need to. And, you know, I'm asking them questions, you know, when, back in the day when you were in my shoes, well, how were how you uh, working out your co-packing relationships? And, you know, we are just kind of vibe and go. And he's like, and I remember the last email he sent me. He said, look, um, I don't need any money. I don't need any equity from you. I just want to help you. And I was like, okay. Uh, so that's just things like that. And, um, and also other um, um, brands that really have been helpful. We just created this community. Um, of brands that I can reach out to and call on for whatever, whether it be fundraising. Fundraising is another thing that I didn't even get into. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, talking with investors. And now we're part of this Accelerator program. We got accepted into this Accelerator program just last week. Um, Accelerator program is a, a program that takes young companies and they kind of groom them and shape them for you know entry into the market and so we were selected if this um this program out of New York City and Singapore, uh, we are one of eight companies that was selected out of hundreds. Wow. Um, and we sent them samples and we sent them our pitch deck. Oh, pitch deck is another thing. It's so <laughs> many different pieces. What
1: does that even mean?
2: Pitch? What is
0: a pitch deck? A pitch deck, okay, so basically as a business, you need money. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and <you laughs> Which need, would be a problem need, for most yeah, of us. <laughs> You need a lot of money. And so what the pitch deck is, it, it's sort of like um, a company overview Of your milestones and your product and your founding team and um, uh, what you're looking at your problem and the solution that you're seeking to offer and then how much money you're looking to raise and uh, um, just hoping that someone takes pity on you. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, You present a really strong business, um, uh, uh, you know, business uh, proposition. And then you you send it out to different investors in the investor community, whether it be angels, whether it be VCs. VCs are venture capitalists. Mm, there you go. <laughs> uh, venture capitalists. These are people that give really uh, a large amount of money to young companies. You know, you can think about the days of you know Facebook and you know all of these companies, Uber, and and all of these companies. They receive massive amounts of funding from VC firms. Um, largely out in the Bay Area. So we're actually not too far from where they all are. Um, they, you know, these founders like me, they would just go and they pitch, you know, these investors and, you know, they walk away with checks of a million dollars, mm-hmm. 500 million dollars, mm-hmm. you know, it's this, you know, large range. So anyway, um, so that that's what the pitch deck is. You're just kind of, you know, giving people a picture of, of what the business is like and, and kind of what the ask is. Um, so I guess going back to my original point, Um, you know having to create all of that um, to get funding and then just you know seeking to get funding we got it with this um, accelerator group and like I said we were one out of eight that has been selected and just we're going through the program now it's a five-month program and um, we're just really excited about what the doors what doors will open from this point. I love to ask you I know right now it's Ah, uh, this is like a business. Um, I was just wondering how you see this as a ministry? Yes, absolutely. Ministry is always first and foremost in my mind. First thing that we say is that we're building what we're calling a benevolent business. so it's it's not merely to, you know, produce profits, which was what anyone would be in business for, but it's for a purpose. So profits with a purpose, you can say. Um, so we already know that we are, um, allocating 10% of our proceeds towards um, healthy living initiatives. Um, and it's really to fund the the health work that we're doing as mm-hmm. a ministry. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the program, you know, my husband and I have been in full-time ministry for 12 years, and um, we see this as an extension of it. And really the reason why we started it is because we want it to be truly self-supporting. You know, there's a lot of talk about self-supporting work and so Mm -hmm. on. And I just feel like a lot of ministries that say that they're self-supporting, they're really largely dependent upon donors. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to really change that model. We didn't want to just, you know, we have a ministry in Kentucky and other things that we're engaged in, but we didn't want to just be donor dependent. Mm -hmm. And so in order for you to kind of shy away from that model, you then have to create So there's three main ways that a ministry can fund themselves, um, and that is obviously donors, and that's pretty obvious, but then there's also some kind of creation of products and services. Um, and so we said well we need to create some kind of product and or service that we can put in the market that it actually is going to be saleable and people are actually gonna buy um, that can actually support the work of God and so we're seeing this as an extension of that and then too as new breed meats people are gonna say well what is it why are you creating a plant-based meat company oh well because we have this health message and let me tell you about that <laughs> mm-hmm. and then so we're really using it kind of as that entering wedge um, you know, as people become more and more interested in their health and in their lifestyle, we want to be able to have that voice that can reach them and talk about, you know, God's true way, and and and, and eventually transition them even from these types of products to more of a um a whole foods plant based diet. So we see it definitely as a transitionary type of thing, a way to reach people where mm-hmm. they are, right. because obviously no one is in a go from maybe a steak to a millet loaf Mm -hmm. um you know (laughs) even though i eat millet loaves and stuff all the time i don't have a problem you know like i said i'm 20 years in but you know it takes a a training of the palate you could say in order to kind of get to that point so so that's how we see uh, intertwining with ministry good so hey i have have have
1: a i have a follow-up question to you um so I'm, i'm thinking about people listening to this and they're like you must be just like a super go-getter. You know, you have like this business background. How, I don't know if I could ever do that. What, what would you say to like other Adventists that want to do something like you that maybe they have an idea, but they don't know well how in the world am I going to get to producing a million pounds a week?
0: Yeah, you know, you know I'm actually going to bring up a scripture because um, that's so important. I think that what God is looking for, um, any uh, you know, from anything else, he wants our dedication and he wants our commitment ultimately he wants um, he wants us to give him our hearts and you know the Bible talks about to every man his work so everyone has a specific work that the Lord has called you to and he will give you the wisdom and the insight that is needed to really carry out that work but we need to ensure that we are listening to the voice of God And that he's the one moving and leading so when i felt the prompts it was very strong and heavy and i didn't just take it upon myself oh yes i'm gonna create this i didn't know what was going to become of it you know it's just a couple years back i said wait what what are we doing this is our message and how do we just fall to the wayside and one of the things that that i wanted to bring out is um proverbs 22 verse 29 it says seest thou a man diligent in his business He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. And it's not mean as in rude men. It's mean as in insignificant or, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. um, men. And the key here is a man diligent in his business. And I think that is so key. You know, also in the book Education, the chapter Business Principles and Methods, which I would encourage everyone to read, chapter 15 in the book Education, it says here... There is no branch of legitimate business for which the Bible does not afford an essential preparation. Its principles, and then she's going to list out these series of principles: its principles of diligence, honesty, thrift, temperance, and purity are the secret of true success. Mm. And so when you break down each one of those principles, diligence, you know, am I doing all that I can to educate myself on whether it be this market or, you know, this product or whatever. So we need to do our part to ensure that that we're actually bringing something superior to the table. You know, again, we're called to be the head and not the tail. So I just feel like everything that we do as Seventh-day Adventists, as a people should be superior. It shouldn't just look like you just threw it together. So just being diligent, honesty, you know, it's funny because when we met with the, our um, the manufacturing partners, you know, they were talking about running the product on weekends and first course of course, the first thing I'm thinking about is a Sabbath because yeah. I'm like, I don't want my product to be running <laughs> on the Sabbath. So I told them specifically, I said, you know, we actually would prefer if the product would be run on Sundays. And then he, he said, oh, on Sundays? And we said, yes, on Sundays. He was like, okay, no problem. We will run your party go Sundays." <laughs> I said, well, praise the Lord. That's perfect. <laughs> so, I, you know, you have to just be intentional about, mm-hmm. um, you know, following the Lord's commands in the Lord's way, and I, he would definitely bless. Um, thrift, you know, we started out, you know, we didn't have much money to our name, but, you know, the Lord blessed. We had a small investment um, just put in, and through that small investment, uh, we were able to kind of get to where we were so really having that thrift and, and economy um you know just ensuring that you're not wasteful uh, that you're using everything uh, honorably and so we were definitely um doing that and um and i just believe that through all of the efforts that you know the lord has placed upon our heart we were able to kind of get to where we were so i know that anyone that will um, you know, write out a plan and, you know, ask the Lord if this is your will. And he would start putting the pieces together and provide you with everything that you need. And realistically, to to have gotten to where we are um, in the business and product development and actually creating this line of products, I mean, you're talking about millions of dollars. I mean, people are paying You know, these companies, they have these large R&D labs. They have all these scientists working on specific things like color. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have scientists that just work on color. You have scientists that just works on on, um, um, texture and and sensory analysis and all these things. And honestly i did everything from the startup and i did not wow. have millions of dollars and i still don't have millions of dollars <laughs> and we were able to create this product i talked to this one girl and she said yeah you know i got this yogurt developed this product developed and she had to pay twenty five thousand dollars a month to this Whoa. r&d lab to Whoa. create that product 20 a month <laughs> yeah that's what we started out with for like three years <laughs> we didn't have anything other than that so anyway it just goes to show how the lord provides if it's his will
2: Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We would like to thank today's guests for sharing their story, as well as our team of business students who made this podcast a reality. I am Gabriel Harrison, and I'll see you next time for another adventure.